1 Thessalonians 2.8 and Acts chapter 2 have highlighted how the gospel that transforms our hearts should also transform our community. That biblical community is more than just watching the game together, going to a Bible study, standing in a church building, or live streaming a sermon. As followers of Jesus, biblical community has purpose to glorify God and to grow disciples. After the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, the 11 disciples were on a mountain in Galilee when Jesus appeared to them. Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20 say, And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus, the God-man who lived a sinless life and was crucified for our sins, he raises from the grave, goes to his disciples, and says that he has been given all authority in heaven and earth. This Jesus was now calling his disciples not just to follow him inwardly, but to be emboldened through the Holy Spirit, and then to go to others with the gospel and to make disciples. In his book, A Light to the Nations, Michael Goheen points out that in the Gospels, it is the resurrection that gives birth to mission. And in the resurrection stories, it is within the context of mission that the Spirit is promised. And we see this in Matthew 28, in Luke 24, in John 20, and in Acts chapter 1. This is exactly what we saw unfolding in the start of Acts chapter 2. A family of Jesus' disciples full of the Holy Spirit, who gather together for community, but also scatter together for mission, loving each other through encouragement, comfort, and generosity, while also providing truth, biblical teaching, and urging each other to live lives worthy of the gospel. That means we don't allow the light that has been put inside of us to be hidden by walls and a roof. We don't constrain ourselves by size and location. In accordance with the Great Commission, we aim to grow the group, to have deep, meaningful relationships, to have gospel conversations, and to make disciples. Jesus gives us this imperative with all authority in heaven and on earth, but he also gives it to us with his presence. He promises to be with us in all places and throughout all of time. Welcome back to From Hevel to Eternity. I'm Ryan, and this is my Bible study podcast. We have been walking through the ideas of biblical and missional community. We started to build a picture using 1 Thessalonians 2.8 as our base. In this verse, Paul tells the church community of Thessalonica, So we cared for you, because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well delighting in a community that they were able to share the gospel and every aspect of their lives with. Last episode, we continued to outline this through a passage in Acts chapter 2 that gave some examples of the kinds of activities portrayed by biblical communities. Joyful worship, generous living, and bold evangelism that arise out of corporate worship together, sharing meals at people's houses together, 
studying God's word together, praying together, and sharing the gospel together. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were gathered together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. We acknowledge that this kind of missional and biblical living can be uncomfortable and scary, but we walked through examples of God's people in both the Old and New Testaments who prayed for, then were granted by God courage and boldness. Then we were reminded that for all Christians, Jesus has promised the Holy Spirit to empower us with that same courage and same boldness today. This bleeds into today's verse in Matthew 28, where Jesus echoes a promise found across all of Scripture, that God would be with his people forever. Today we reflect on the goal of biblical community and the goal of missional living, to mature as Christ followers, to make other disciples, and to multiply our communities for God's great glory. And Jesus came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through 20. So before I move to any personal group or church application that can be drawn from these verses, we must recognize that these verses are bracketed by Jesus. They are bracketed in a way where it starts with Jesus himself declaring that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him, and it ends with his statement, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Great Commission is a command for us to follow and an imperative for us to obey, but its weight comes from who is giving it. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the Lamb that was slain, the suffering servant, the founder and perfecter of our faith, the light of the world, the good shepherd, the son of man, the son of God, the prince of peace, the Lord of lords, the king of kings, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Don't skip straight to teaching, disciple-making, and baptizing without meditating on the reason for those things. I mean, just think about the context of these verses. The disciples, they're gathered on a mountain. Their teacher, Jesus, has just recently been arrested, tried, and executed, only to defeat death and be resurrected. Yet verse 16 says that when they saw Jesus, they worshipped him, but some doubted. The Messiah who had performed miracles, defeated death, and was about to ascend to the right hand of God the Father was telling this ragtag group of men struggling to find courage, boldness, and faith that he was the one with all authority and that he would be with them forever. We all need to be reminded of that empowerment 
and that the basis for obeying this command can only be found in who our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is. His power and His glory provide the foundation. When it comes to the commands of Jesus found in these verses, they follow a pretty straightforward template. Follow Jesus. Be transformed through the faith. Then go to all peoples. Make disciples of them. Teach them to observe all of Jesus' commands. First and foremost, we are to follow Jesus. If we don't get to step one, we will not be fruitful in any of the other steps. So before jumping past this point, are you there? Are you truly a follower of Jesus? Are you a Christian? If you're not sure or you're struggling to get past step one, then have a conversation with someone in your community, a believing friend, a mentor, a leader, a church pastor. You don't have to be a Christian to be part of a small group, a Bible study, a missional community, or a church. These communities should be a safe place for believers growing and for non-believers who are seeking. The moment you become a believer, you are transformed. God the Father looks at you and he no longer sees Brian a sinner, but instead sees washed clean by the blood of Christ. That doesn't mean we are perfect and that we no longer sin. Growth and transformation and maturation occur slowly and painfully at times, and we will not achieve it perfectly on this side of eternity. But part of being someone who follows Jesus is being transformed to become more and more Christ-like. The churchy word for this process is called sanctification. From the moment you become a Christian until the moment you leave this fallen world, you are being sanctified by God the Son and God the Spirit. The moment you turn to follow Jesus becomes the starting point. From that point, all of these other things, they should be running parallel with each other. As we're being transformed, we're also called to go to all peoples, proclaim the gospel to them, and grow other disciples of Jesus to obey Jesus' commands and to go forward themselves to share the gospel. God could write the gospel in the sky and on the hands and hearts of all the people, but he has chosen to command his people to share his message of redemption through the blood of Jesus. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 10, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Working backwards, the verbs are send, preach, hear, believe, call, and be saved. It is the power of God to save and transform, but it is his command to us to go and to share. After all, this is exactly what we see unfold throughout the book of Acts. I mean, just listen to some of these numbers. So at the end of Acts chapter 21, you got about 120 followers of Jesus. The end of Acts chapter 2, one chapter later, you end up with 3,120 followers of Jesus. By 100 AD, you have about 25,000 followers, and by 250 AD, there are almost 3 million followers of Jesus. Do not get me wrong, God is the catalyst behind that exponential growth, but it is men that he uses to spread the good news of Jesus. Matt Chandler, who's pastor of the Village Church, says some of us are called to teach the word formally, but all of us are called to teach the word relationally. 
looping back to the key verse of this entire series, this means that we do two things. We share the gospel of God with others, and we share our lives with them too. Jesus says in John 13, verses 34 and 35, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. What does loving one another as disciples of Jesus look like? Well, it doesn't just mean being nice all of the time and avoiding doing bad things. After all, if you truly believe the gospel and you truly love your neighbor, how can you reconcile not sharing the best news in the world with them? Look, I'm not calling Christians to stand on soapboxes with big cardboard signs saying repent or be doomed. Like, that's not being productive, and it's certainly not being relational. Pete Briscoe says evangelism is not selling Jesus, it is sharing life. Both capital L and little l life. So obeying the Great Commission is impossible if we just proclaim the capital L life associated with Jesus, but refuse to share our lowercase lives with anybody else. Just as we aren't obeying the Great Commission, if we stop at merely sharing our own lives with others and not sharing the eternal life that can be found through grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone. Okay, so how does all of this about the Great Commission and sharing our lowercase l lives and Jesus' capital L life with other people all circle back around to biblical communities, to missional communities, to churches, and to small groups? Well, Michael Goheen points out that Jesus was actually sending a community into the world, and that this is not a task assigned to isolated individuals. It is an identity given to a community. So how can we be obedient to the Great Commission in a community setting? Well, we can be engaged with other believers in a small group setting. We can be engaged with culture. We can connect culture to our biblical communities. We can grow each other. We can grow new leaders. And we can multiply out new communities. Then we can make genuine attempts to connect and deepen our relationships with those people around us. In a study reported by Ed Stetzer and Eric Geiger in their book, Transformational Groups, they find one of the key reasons people left was their failure to connect with other people in relationships. Then they go on to describe that culture is changed by influence, not by control. And we know this, right? Like when people build relationships with others, that's when we see them be influenced by them, not by people that might be speaking at them. Please remember, though, that as Paul David Tripp said, God has given you the authority for the work of change, but has not granted you the power to make that change happen. So thinking that we can convert others by ourselves, it's something that Christians struggle with sometimes. It can put all this pressure on ourselves to save others. Like God has the power to transform someone else's heart. We do not. We just faithfully obey his commands and we share his gospel. This thinking, though, can also affect how we view our own transformation process, too. I mean, we think that we aren't growing fast enough sometimes. We think that we aren't maturing as much as somebody else, and we might start to fall into some sort of a comparison trap. So while there will be times when a small group or a community elder might actually need to speak truth into a problem area of our lives, 
It also falls on members of a biblical community to encourage each other and to help us realize our areas of growth and where we've come from. So this is kind of a tangent, but it's one of the articles that I read recently and it helped me out a lot in this area. It's titled, Why Doesn't God Just Change Me? by Adam Griffin. It's an article I found on the resources page from the Village Church. He says a couple things that helped bring perspective to me. He says, when you estimate a distance, it is best to use a helpful unit of measurement. He says, change comes at a speed more like an acorn growing into a forest than a spark erupting into a wildfire. So look back at who you were one year ago, three years ago, ten years ago. Then you can see the Lord refining you. Are you the same now as you were then? So I think this article is very helpful. I know his quotes have been very helpful to me just to get perspective. But sometimes we have a hard time zooming out all by ourselves. And we need a strong biblical community that can be super helpful in giving us the wide-angle lens during times of frustration and disappointment that we really need. We need to hear other people say, Look, I've walked with you for the past however long. I know you have a heart for Jesus. I've seen you grow and mature so much. The moment we turn toward Jesus, place our faith in him as Lord and Savior, we become disciples. And the moment we become disciples of Jesus, we are anointed by Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit to become messengers. Messengers about God's plan to redeem fallen humanity. Couriers delivering this message through how we live and what we say. So as I stated in the intro, we cannot be constrained by size or location. In accordance with the Great Commission, we aim to grow our communities to have deep and meaningful relationships with those communities, to have gospel conversations inside and outside of our church bubbles, and to aim to make disciples. Jesus gives us this imperative with all authority in heaven and on earth, and he also gives it to us with the promise of his presence. He promises to be with us in all places and throughout all of time. Next episode, we'll keep diving into characteristics associated with biblical communities and their members. Specifically, we'll probably be focusing on Romans chapter 12 and Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. Thank you all for listening. All verses in this episode were from the English Standard Version, ESV, translation, which is a copyright of Crossway, a publishing ministry of Good News Publishers. Until next time, I love you all.